And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. The Athletic. Xabi Alonso's Bayern Leverkusen have equaled the record for the best start to a Bundesliga season, naturally set by Pep Guardiola at Bayern Munich. Teller in position. Oh, what a finish. It gets better and better for Bayern Leverkusen. As a player, he matched his style with substance at the world's biggest clubs. Calderola, Alonso with the efforts. What a goal. Xabi Alonso with the moments of pure magic. So will he reach similar heights as a coach? And where is he likely to end up next? I'm Ayoakim Walere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. We've got the Athletics German football writer, Raphael Honigstein, and also the Athletics data writer, Tom Harris, with us today to talk Xabi Alonso. Rafa, let's start with you, Mr. Bundesliga. 13 months in charge at Leverkusen. From relegation zone to top of the Bundesliga. Really impressive start. Very impressive. I mean, I am convinced that maybe half, maybe a quarter of a coach's success is choosing the right team mm -hmm. rather than the skill. And that was a really wise choice because Leverkusen, yes, looked like they were heading for relegation, but really the team's quality was such that a bounce back was probably inevitable with anyone coming in, uh, let alone somebody who's so good at coaching and at motivating players and at uh, inspiring them. I was lucky enough to see a training last year. He is on the pitch. He talks a lot. He will play the opening ball out to show people where they need to run. His touch is still better than anyone else's and he's won it all. So he's got that rare combination of real strong tactical, technical fundamentals as a coach, but also the background as a player that players just look up to, um, feel an awe of and uh, also incredible charisma. So you put all, all these things together and add a bit of, uh, Really good scouting from Leverkusen and great transfer dealings uh, this summer, bringing in Xhaka, bringing in Grimaldo, who've been outstanding. Jonas Hofmann has been fantastic. Victor Boniface has been fantastic. Um, and it makes for a pretty good combination. Yeah, I mean, for many people that don't know, he's been playing his trade or us, or might say chipping away in the background in, in Spain for, for a little while. Can you just give us a little sense of how he got the job at Leverkusen? He was already hot property, even though he was only Real Sociedad mm. uh, B the B team for a couple of years because of his stature and who, who he was. And there was talk that Bayern might take a look at him a couple of years ago. Uh, there was a story that he was very close to going to Borussia Mönchengladbach, but in the end that uh, fell through. And Leverkusen have a Spanish CEO in Fernando Caro, and I'm sure that would have been part of the connection. But he was already on the on the radar for a lot of fairly big clubs, even though he lacked that experience because of a all the input that he's been able to absorb over the years having worked with Pep with Rafa Benitez with Jose with Carlo Ancelotti 
And also, I think a reputation within the game for somebody who is going to be an up and coming coach. And everyone talked about it and everyone felt, you know, this guy is going to make it. And that a lot of innovative clubs who sort of looking for the next big thing were interested in him. And Leverkusen was, uh, was an excellent, excellent choice, I think, both for him and uh, vice versa. Yeah, I mean, looking at his performances at Real Sociedad B as well, he did actually get them relegated, but he got them promoted into the Segunda División, the second division of Spanish football, for the first time in 60 years. And that squad had an average age of 21.4. So it's a very, very young squad in a you know a league with, with some big teams in it. You know, Granada were in it a couple of seasons after they played Manchester United in the Europa League. He got them playing, you know, really good possession based football, very fearless. I think they had 70% possession on a numerous, you know, numerous occasions. So even though it ultimately didn't end up the way that he would have liked it to, and you know, him keeping them up in, in the second division, the fact that he got them there and got them playing the way he wants them to play shows that, you know, his personality and his, you know, um, identity as a, as a coach is, was really strong. Yeah, I wonder if there's anything in his DNA as a coach from, you know, rubbing shoulders with some of the best managers in the world. You, you talk about Mourinho, you talk about Ancelotti, anything that we can see from his style that might replicate or take take from some, some of the coaches he's worked with, Tom? Yeah, I think Guardiola is, is the one that you can see instantly. And I think what you can see, obviously, there's the possession football, but there's also the out of possession kind of rigid positional football so that, you know, you look at how you know they're playing such a high line this season in comparison to what they were seasons before pressing stepping up the pitch and you know when they lose the ball they're in a position where they can pounce almost straight away and, and win it back in dangerous areas and you know the data suggests that yeah they're about five meters higher up the pitch um they're winning the ball in the attacking third a lot more than they ever have been doing and that is very much a guardiola thing you know controlling the ball and controlling the game while having the ball but when you're not on the ball getting in a good shape to make sure that you can't be counter-attacked so i think that is the guardiola of it all but obviously yeah, as you say there's there's the Mourinho kind of ability to cling on in games which you know might come in handy as this you know title challenge continues Ancelotti is very good at creating you know chaos in terms of surrounding players around Vinicius to get the best out of him we might see that with Florian Verts. we might see that with with Grimaldo on the left as well so yeah not seen too much of anything else yet other than Pep Guardiola but it'd be interesting to see how that develops as time goes on yeah and also let's hope he stays at Leverkusen for us to find out but we'll talk about that in a second but you, you spoke about it earlier Rafa you know players like Grant Isjakan you know as, as an Arsenal fan I hate seeing him do so well at Leverkusen 129 passes into the final third this season you know the most in Europe's top seven and also Boniface you know 11 appearances seven goals five assists in the Bundesliga have we seen Boniface uh, play for saint Gilloise last season. I think he was joint top scorer in the Europa League next to Marcus Rashford. An insane player. I mean, he's still a bit of a rough diamond, but what we're seeing is a really attacking force with, I guess, a bit of age in there as well with these young players, the Jackers of this world, to give it a bit more balance. Yeah, I think Leverkusen have been very careful in putting together a squad that doesn't just have talent and doesn't just scream high potentials and development, but also uh, bringing some characters, bringing some leaders. And uh, this has been a problem for Leverkusen in the last few years where the balance wasn't quite right. And they tried to address that by um, buying Robert Andrich, for example, who's also a more experienced pro last season. Grant Chaka is very much in that mold. Somebody who can uh, really be a bit of a role model in terms of... Uh, winning mentality, professionalism, um, that kind of grit on the pitch that you need, especially if you have a very technical team. And it, it fits beautifully together. 
And also I think it fits with a coach who, yes, looks as if he's been very Guardiola influenced, but last season really started by playing fairly defensive football mm. and making sure that they stopped shipping all these goals. They played a lot on the break. They played really with five at the back rather than three, uh, absorbed a lot of pressure. And he's been sort of systematically building up the team and adding layers of of styles and layers of uh, ability on the ball to the mix. And the team is capable of, of doing all that. And they've gone to another level this year. Leverkusen's hope is that for Alonso himself, it'll be not enough to take them into the Champions League. Mm. They might even win the German League, but uh, Champions League, I think, is a very realistic outcome. But actually play with them there. Mm -hmm. And it'd be a big shame, if you will, not to see him reap uh, the fruits of his labor and uh, and show us what he can do with this team at the highest level. But it could be that timing is such that... Um, he can't stick around for that long. From a German perspective, and I know we spoke about it last time we were talking about uh, Dortmund, is it quite refreshing to see someone yet again challenge Bayern for the Bundesliga? And I mean, people are crying for this upset, right? I mean, of yeah. course, the, the money Bayern have is so different, but to see it done by someone who plays great football as well, it just, you know, Leverkusen are sort of the underachievers, really. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. Um, I mean, Leverkusen don't exist in the same universe as Bayern, really. They they have money courtesy of their, their parent company, the pharmaceutical company, Bayer, but they cannot expect to challenge Bayern on an even keel. The fact that they're doing it this year, the fact they are so consistent, uh, as consistent as any team has been in the Bundesliga since Bayern Munich with Xavi Alonso as a player in 2015-16, shows you just how well they're doing. But I think most people in Germany still expect Bayern to, to come good simply because they have a squad with players that Leverkusen can only dream of in terms of the, the finances that it costs them to keep them or to buy them in the first place. But of course, it's great for the league. It's great full stop if you take out the title race. I think it's great full stop that you have a team that plays this well because irrespective of what happens in the Bundesliga, I think Leverkusen have a great chance of winning the Europa League. Um, and that on the back of uh, Frankfurt doing it a year ago would, you know, would show that there is real quality. Even if the quality is not enough to challenge Bayern, it's still objectively good quality, as you can then see in a European context. So I think Leverkusen will do will do the Bundesliga proud, even if they can't get beyond Bayern in mm. the league. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. Hello there, James Richardson here. If, like me, you take an interest in the continental version of the beautiful game, then you should check out the Totally Football Show European Edition. Every Tuesday, I'm joined for the show by James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein, Julian Laurence and Alvaro Romeo as we cover all the big European stories. Expect all the footballing insight you need on the Totally Football Show European Edition, which you can enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to check out video versions of the show over on our YouTube channel.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Luckily, I have had great uh, managers uh, through my career. From each one, I have learned. I have lived with them good, bad moments. I have tried to understand why they take their decisions. For me to, to start building my own uh, vision as a, as, a, as a coach or as a manager. I want to touch on the playing style again, Tom, in many respects, because we're really fascinated by this sort of offensive style that Leverkusen seem to have sort of garnered. Um, we talked about it a bit more defensive last season, but there's a real emergence into a, a attacking potency. Boniface obviously leading, leading that line. But let's not forget that they got rid of Musa Diaby last season. You know, like, what a great player. And they sold him, but recruited well as well. Yeah, I mean, Diaby's replacement, well, you know, arguably not as talented in, in Jonas Hoffman, it allows them a lot more tactical flexibility. You know, Diaby and Frimpong on that same side, who's a very attacking fullback. Diaby isn't quite the player you want covering for him. And I think Leverkusen did get found out slightly last season. But now they've got Hoffman who can drop into spaces behind um, Frimpong to allow him to go forward. You've got a player who in Hoffman who on the ball, he's you know statistically one of the better players in Europe. So he can link up with him really nicely as well. There's a, there's a lot of flexibility through the side. And I think that is what you know is allowing Leverkusen to, to keep churning out these results. I mean, the way that they you know tend to play and build up, it's it's not completely unique um, to, to Bayer Leverkusen. You've got teams like Inter Milan, um, Lons in France who are playing this way with the, the wide kind of wing backs and, and playing the ball through the centre and stretching the pitch. But the fact that you've got, for example, someone like Grimaldo who's so good going forward but also can drop into the midfield and, and get involved in the build-up. You've got your wide centre-backs who are so good at dribbling basically through the entire team. We saw Kasuno on the weekend almost scoring from a from a ridiculous dribble. There, there's so many different profiles which allows them to switch things up and I think that's what, what's keeping them fresh and allowing them to keep, to keep winning. Mm, that just makes me think about you know, especially as, as a coach, man management, right? Like, how do you get the best out of players? Do we get any, have any insight on that, Rafa, and how he deals with individual players? I mean, the grandeur of Xabi Alonso, a guy that's won everything, you know, and you've got these young players going, <laughs> that's a big part of you it. Know? That's a big part of it. And they shouldn't be underestimated yeah. because, of course, you can convince players through the strength of your arguments and your tactical ideas. But the fact that he's speaking to you from a position of having won everything and having been exposed to all these different ideas and having sort of distilled his own principles from it, I think is hugely impressive in the first place. But people at the club have told me that he's very, very strict. 
uh, will not tolerate people not being 100% in training, punctuality, all the kind of things that you'd associate with somebody who's won so many things. He demands of his players. And again, I think for a team and for a club that has sometimes been a bit of a comfort zone for players who either perhaps haven't quite got what it takes to go all the way and have sort of landed at a level that it's kind of good but never really that good at Leverkusen or if it was players who are looking at the club as a mere stepping stone and just sort of concentrate on getting out as quickly as possible it was very important I think to have somebody in who's really instilled that sense of no we have to win now we have to really be as good as possible as a team and individually and drive that home through his own again through his own behavior and he's been very infectious and the people there, and maybe that's something that you asked me before we mm. started, when he does a speech in front of the uh, staff members, they weren't sort of blown over by the rhetoric yeah, I or think, anything. I, I think you, either you or someone else wrote about that. Yeah, I thought it was really I, I fascinating did, to I did, hear. but they believe him. Mm. And he says things like, you know, if we do this and that, we're going to win. And they are winning at the moment. And the mood is, is incredible at the club. Can I just think, like, if, if you're a top, top coach, I mean, does, does top coach equal charisma? I mean, Mourinho did it well, but realistically, I, I think even Guardiola, you're kind of a bit inward, a bit awkward, just a bit really smart. Public speaker's probably not your forte. You just care about football. Yes, but I think it being able to speak regularly in front of 23, 25 young men and, you know, a third of them will be unhappy for one reason or another, I think you have to have charisma you don't have to be an incredible orator orator but and he has the charisma and maybe he just considered you know speaking in front of the staff less of a priority for him which is probably uh, understandable but yeah i think coaching is comes down to helping players helping players perform and if you can do that either through being brilliant in terms of how you empathize with them or you know, you relate to them on a on an emotional level or if it comes from more sort of pragmatic technical help, you know, if you do this, you'll be better, you know, go there, do this, play the ball here, position yourself there. If you can combine all these things, then you've got the making of a, of a superstar coach. And I think it was clear very early on um, last season, I wrote when he got knocked out by Roman in the semifinal, it almost doesn't matter that he's not winning a trophy this year and that they got knocked out because you can see that that Alonso is going to be a superstar and this season is just the continuation of that. Yeah, I mean, just picking up on something Rafa said there, there was a really good article on site actually by Liam Tharm who wrote about, you know, why so many holding midfielders are going on to become managers. And I think there was a study saying around 42% of former players who are managers were holding midfielders. And I think... You know, if you want somebody, you know, obviously Chabi Alonso has been there and done it with, with some of the best clubs. But if you want somebody to tell you, you know, where to go and what to do and how to improve your game, a holding midfielder is a place where, you know, you can see the game happening around you. You've got more of an understanding of it. I think Guardiola's spoken about it in the past saying, you know, when you're a striker, you're thinking about scoring. When you're a midfielder, you know, you've got to know what's happening on the entire pitch, where to position yourself. And yeah, there aren't many people, better people to listen to in that regard as just someone like Chabi Alonso and that in itself, I think, commands a lot of respect. I wonder if there's uh, any comparison we can make with someone like Xabi Alonso, Mikel Arteta, in comparison to Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, and how, I guess, four players there who were very good at their job, but 
two that haven't really excelled in that managerial side of things. Is it as simple as saying the you know the Spanish style or where Mikel Arteta and Xabi Alonso grew up? Gave them a bit more of some sort of know-how than perhaps Gerard and and and, and Lampard or, or the leagues they're exposed to and the managers they probably played under um, has affected how they've gone on to be managers or can we go on that kind of midfielder versus? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think with the managers you're talking about who mm. have done well, Arteta, mm. Alonso, Guardiola, that there's you know they've kind of been wedded to one way of playing throughout mm. their entire career. You look at Lampard and Gerrard, they've been exposed to lots of different ways of playing and, you know, you don't really associate an identity with someone like Frank Lampard. You know, he's played in Chelsea for all that time, but what is his, you know, philosophy about football? It's it's unclear. Whereas with someone like Guardiola, who's been brought up all the way through the Barcelona, Arteta as well, has had exposure to that kind of football. Chabi Alonso, of course, too. Mm. I think there's a bit more of a focus on 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 what they view as, as as good football and how they want to play and maybe that helps in you know transmitting that message because they have such a strong base of this is what we want to do well the counter argument is that of course alonso's been exposed to more different more, stars exactly than, 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 anyone, than anyone else than anyone right? else but i think he's absorbed as i said i think he's absorbed all the good bits mm-hmm. from everyone i think he understood that there are different ways to win different ways within the game different ways even within the context of a season, even within the context of having an identity. And it can get a bit lost if you have too many different ideas, then what do you stand for? What is your identity? But I think he has shown that he has been able to distill all that and still make it his own. And more importantly, find a system that works with the players Mm. because you can have the most amazing ideas and philosophies and whatever and blueprints but if it doesn't fit with the players you have, then you're not going to be successful. So I think he's been very smart, very adaptable. I think also, you know, if you want to compare him to some of the other guys you mentioned, he lived abroad. Again, I think that's character building that adds new elements, new cultures, new ideas uh, to your game. And he's just an incredibly rounded character as well. So if you'd ask me, you know, who out of them is going to win the Champions League as a coach, I think... He's the obvious obvious candidate. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolera. I'm interested in this as well, um, and I, I want to get your perspective on it, Rafa, whether or not this bubble will burst for Leverkusen at the top of the Bundesliga. Because you look at the Dogger Critchley tweeted saying the largest overperformance of expected points in Europe are Girona, top of um, Spanish league, Bayern Leverkusen, Tottenham Hotspur, obviously, um, Fiorentino looks to be having a decent season, and Hoffenheim as well. Is there a feeling that this can't be sustained, or are we just living in the dream of potentially? Leverkusen lifting the Bundesliga because historically you know they've stumbled when it comes to historically they have stumbled but of course some people say you know there's something within within the club's DNA Mm. that will somehow come through and make them make them lose their way but the way they're playing at the moment is very hard to see where they're going to drop points the one game they haven't won was against Bayern and they could have won that game as well Bayern were probably quite fortunate to get away with a draw in that game and people were saying, you know what, um, playing in the Europa League and playing in the Bundesliga is going to take away from some of the explosive coaching and uh, the impact that, that Alonso will have because you have to rotate more, you have to uh, cut corners more when you play twice a week. But no, it hasn't happened. And I think this weekend especially was so interesting because they go to Baku on Thursday and they fly back and they play against an Union side 
yes, they're at the bottom of the table, but they're still, they make things awkward and you think, okay, it's the kind of game where you can drop points, but no, they absolutely destroyed them, destroyed them. They were on a different level to Union. It looked like they were in a different league to Union. Um, you know, Champions League participants for Germany. They are beyond the stereotypes and beyond the narrative, if you will. Mm -hmm. There are very few reasons to suggest that they cannot keep this up. I mean, can they keep up sort of 100% or 98% record, which is... That's, what they that's might a high need, bar for what they might team, need. Right? Uh, I think it's 16 out of 17 games now they won. If that's what you need to win the Bundesliga, I think that's going to be pretty hard. But if it's a little bit less, and for whatever reason Bayern don't go on a run themselves, which looks very likely at the moment that they will and won't drop too many points either, then they're in the mix. But as I said earlier, Bayern with Kane, with all the people around him, with Thomas Tuchel, I think beginning to have more of a grip of what his team needs to do and potentially buying, buying quite big in the transfer market. Mm. That's another factor we haven't mentioned yet. They're looking still to bring in a holding midfield. They're looking to bring in another centre-back who can play also right-back. That one buy or two buys might also tilt the balance a little bit when it comes to, let's say, the last three or four games of the season. So Bayern's the favourites. But if Bayern win, I think that's really important. We shouldn't somehow blame Leverkusen for or it. Or just underestimate exactly what they've achieved and this season. And think they are somehow deficient in mm. not stopping Bayern mm. because they shouldn't really be in a conversation in the first place. And it's testament to what Alonso has done that we're talking about the possibility of them winning the title. Yeah, I mean, if we, you know, kind of try and forget about Bayern and, and look at that <laughs> expected points thing you were talking about before and, you know, how they are overperforming. You know, yes, they are, but all the best teams consistently overperform their attacking metrics and Bayern Munich, Man City have all done it, you know, consistently over the last five or six seasons. I think Bayern scored around 15 goals more than the data said that they should have last season. So, you know, if you're a good team and you have good players, you're going to overperform those metrics. So, you know, there is an element of clinical finishing to this run, but you've also got the likes of Boniface, who is just so relentless. I mean, he's, he's on almost six shots per game. Mm. He's underperforming his XG. So, you know, it's this idea of if you generate enough chances and if you, you know, like Bayer Leverkusen are doing, you will score and you will over overperform your XG because you've got such talented players at the top of the pitch. Going the other way, they, they've got a really low XG against, so they're not conceding too many chances. They've conceded 10 goals from around 11.3 XG against, so that's really good. And that's that, you know, could be sustainable. So there's a mix of, yes, overperforming going forwards, but, you know, I think it is... Whether they can challenge Bayern is a different different question, but they can carry on on a similar level. All right, let's go to where next, really. You sort of feel, and you said it at the top of this pod, Rafa, that you know people have been sniffing around Xabi Alonso for, for, for a little while. And a Leverkusen understanding that at some point that he's not going to be with them much longer. And I know he could have actually, there were conversations about him going in the summer, right? But he's still there. There's still a project at hand to, to, to get done. Like many Bundesliga's teams who might lose their best players, are Leverkusen thinking, do you know what? We know it's not going to last forever. No, they're very realistic. They understand that uh, a budding superstar coach is not going to finish his career there. It's not going to devote the best part of 10 years to continuing at Leverkusen. He's going to be ambitious. He wants to win titles. He wants to win the Champions League. And that's going to be so much harder at Leverkusen. Mm. Ultimately, you want to work with the best players and you want to work in the biggest club possible, making also the biggest money possible as a coach, even though I think that's probably a less 
less of a factor for for Alonso after 20 years at the highest level as a as a player or nearly 20 years um Leverkusen understand that if Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or a club of that size will be coming they'll find it he'll find it very hard to mm. turn down whether there's an explicit release clause to allow for that possibility is something that um is not clear it's been written about i read about it leverkusen yeah. have not really commented the one person i spoke to uh, recently said as far as he knows there isn't a release clause but if there was a release clause he wouldn't tell me. <laughs> so what he did say is that Leverkusen, and this is probably more relevant yeah. than the actual release clause, Leverkusen will not keep a coach against his will. If the coach says, I want to go to Real Madrid, this is a once in a life opportunity. The timing's right now. If I don't go next summer, they might appoint somebody else who might be there for three or four years. Who knows what's going to happen to me in three or four years. If the stars align, and the offer comes in of that kind of magnitude, then Leverkusen will not say, no, no, sorry, you have a contract here and will not release you, tough luck. They will make it happen, of course. They will try to get some compensation because mm -hmm. I think increasingly clubs are realizing the value of a manager of that quality because it's not just a sporting success. It's also the value of the players. Every player who works... I'm the manager that improves players. Their value goes up. And there is no other way in football to increase your bottom line as quickly as having a coach that improves your players mm. and takes a 10 million player and makes him into a 50 million players in the, in the, in the space of a year or two. You, you cannot generate the income any other way uh, organically unless you have somebody signing a check uh, in Dubai or so, or Abu Dhabi more mm. accurately. So... They understand that they will want to get paid, but if the offer comes in, to be very concrete, if Real Madrid say the summer, Xabi, we think you're the next guy for us, and as he decides, I want to stay a bit longer, I'm not quite ready, which might well happen, Leverkusen won't stand in his way. We always talk about, Tom, you know, so many teams looking for that next top, top manager. Rafa's talked about Real Madrid. I know Ancelotti uh, constantly linked with this Brazil job. Nothing's really been said. Um, dare I say, does he go back to Liverpool? Jurgen Klopp, you know, can't be at Liverpool forever. Former Liverpool legend going back, but actually a Liverpool legend with a real nouncer of how to play football. And actually with his style and expansive sort of play, you can see that working at a team like Liverpool. Yeah, I think out of the two, I think Real Madrid would be my choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, just because Liverpool are so, you know, transitional under Jurgen Klopp, they like to play on the counter-attack. They like to play kind of heavy metal football he's had multiple times that would need a bit more of a transition I think if Xabi Alonso was to go there but both are amazing options you know he's he's got legacies at both clubs and you know like we were saying before it doesn't really matter if this is his first you know kind of big big club at the top of the game because he commands that respect you know even if he's managing players like Jude Bellingham you know they will still look up to him because he's Xabi Alonso he's done it all He's got that kind of technical ability, which, you know, Raf was saying he's, you know, he plays in training. They're, they'll all respect that. And, you know, he'll be able to, I think, you know, with this combination of this intelligence that he clearly has and, you know, the 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 identity and the legacy he has in the game, I think he'll be able to go anywhere. Mm. I want to finish on this really and kind of circle back to, to Leverkusen as a team and spoken about the fairy tale of them potentially keeping up the challenge against Bayern. If that doesn't happen, and rightly you said, Rafa, we shouldn't 
forget what they've done this season. What would be successful for them this season for Dabi Alonso? A cup in Germany or, you know, European glory for Leverkusen? Yeah, all of the above. I think they have a tremendous opportunity to win a cup this year because Bayern and Leipzig, the holders, are out of the German cup. Mm-hmm. So Leverkusen are favourites, especially because Stuttgart and Dortmund, two other two teams, are going strong and taking each other on in the next round. So and, and there's a lot of lower division teams left. So the field is very open and Leverkusen will be will be favourites to win the cup the way they're going at the moment. So that's a massive target for them. It's been a while since they last won it. European Cup, we saw them last year getting into the Europa League semi-final. I think they can go on better. That's a realistic possibility. Mm. And it's a realistic possibility to win the German title. It, they're not favourites. It'll be still a minor miracle, but they're in with a chance. So two out of three, very good chance. If they end up not winning anything, but still going fine to the competitions, mm. still finishing top four, I think Leverkusen will also consider that a success. He won't. And that's why I think they've got a good chance of pushing further because he's not going to say, fine, if we finish top four and not win a trophy, that's okay for us. He's going to push really, really hard. Also, I think in the knowledge that whatever happens next, it'll be just a little bit easier for him coming there with silverware. Um, it's one thing to say, you shall be Alonso, you're wonderful. But to say, you shall be Alonso, have just won the Europa League or the German League with Leverkusen, that is kind of the icing on the cake on the on the managerial CV and I think he's going to be very keen to to make that happen yeah keep the people wanting more in a few weeks time or actually a few months time I should say I'd love to be sitting here thinking are they going to do it Leverkusen going to lift the Bundesliga that'd be amazing Tom Raf, thank you so much for your time please remember to rate and review the podcast if you're enjoying it and thank you all for listening we're back tomorrow you've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic football podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. The Athletic Football Podcast is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.